All right, we are back. Welcome to Crime Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bounds, and we are here for a brand new pursuit. Tonight, we have the case of Brittany McGlone. We have her mother and her sister as our special guest. We have her sister, Hope McGlone, and we have her mother, Patricia Tice. Did I say that right? That's correct. Okay, both. Welcome to the show. Let's start with mom. Mom, tell us a little bit about who your daughter was as you remember her as your your daughter. Well, um, I'm really honest when I say it was all good stuff. You know, Brittany was um, a good girl, um, um, graduated with honors, um, was always sweet and funny and fiercely loyal to her family. And she was, she was one of those kids that just never caused me uh, a, a night's restless sleep. You know, she was a model child and teenager. Okay. So let me ask you, um, the s- sister, are you the little sister or the big sister, Hope? Uh, I'm younger. Okay. So let's, let's hear about your big sister, Brittany. Um, she was just really one of the best people I've ever known in my life. Um, I, we, we got to spend a pretty decent amount of time with each other and, and, um, she was always super goofy. We were always joking around, laughing. Um, I, I always wish I, I would have, um, had more time to get to know her even better. Um, but she was honestly, I mean, just one of the the best people ever. She was, um, I didn't ever know her to lie to anyone. Um, she was just, she was the best. Okay. Now, this question is for mom, Patricia. Let's go, let's talk about May 4th, 2007. What happened with your daughter? Um, it was, um, in the afternoon around 3.30 or 4-ish. Let me back up. Um, Brittany worked overnight at a Lowe's distribution center. And so Thursday, May 3rd, um, she got up from her, her nap. I fixed her some food and she told me that, um, the next morning, instead of coming straight home after work, she was going to go to her boyfriend's home. This was the first time that she had ever done that. Um, she had only been seeing this boyfriend ab- about six months. It was the first boyfriend she ever had. And um, so she didn't come home May 4th in the morning. I wasn't expecting her. She told me that she was going to her boyfriend's. But that afternoon, her boyfriend called me and asked me if Brittany was with me. And I very angrily said, you know, no, she's supposed to be with you. You know, hung up and I started calling Brittany's phone. And it went straight to voicemail, which was highly unusual because Brittany, you know, her phone was like, her left hand, she was left-handed. And so I, I was very uh, panicked and 
scared. And so I called the boyfriend back and said, you know, she's not answering her phone. It, you know, it's going to voicemail. And he said, well, she's here. She's asleep. She's sleeping hard. So I hung up the phone. A little bit later, two Wood County, Texas sheriffs showed up, or deputies, knocked on our door and asked for a Brenda or Debbie. And, you know, we just said, you know, there's nobody here by that name. And then he let, they left. And, I don't know, something just didn't feel right to me. So, uh, because Brittany had not come home, she had not called, and the boyfriend wasn't answering his phone anymore either. So I called the sheriff. He got on the phone, told him who it was. He told me to stay there. He was sending the deputies back. The deputies took me into the house and told me their words, exact words were, your daughter is deceased. And, the, you know, my first utterance was that son of a bitch killed her, didn't he? Referring to the boyfriend. Okay. And um, they would not tell me how she died. They would not give me any details. They left. And... Uh, me and my son Logan got into the car. We were about to go to the funeral home, and I called. I called the funeral home before we left, and at that time, the funeral director told me um, he's the one that told me Brittany had been murdered, and that her body was already on the way to Dallas for an autopsy. So that's how. I found out Brittany had, had been murdered. Okay, so now you know what you know. So I'm assuming, well, I mean, it's obvious, you, you have a funeral. You and the family. Yeah. Where does the investigation begin? Did, did you stay in close contact with the investigators regarding your daughter's murder? Yes. Um, the night of the murder, two deputies came back and asked me some questions. And... um. Uh, at that point in time, I was certain that um, the boyfriend had, had murdered Brittany. Um, he had made some comments once about, to me, about hearing voices. And to my mom, but she's now deceased, uh, about that he didn't want Brittany or any of us to ever see him angry because he just lost, would lose control. And he did spend that first night in Wood County Jail. They had arrested him on an outstanding warrant. So, I mean, the investigation, you know, began immediately, uh, I guess. And then the next day, um, Brittany and Hope's dad told us about uh, another suspect. Uh, I didn't even know this person existed. He was the boyfriend of uh, Brittany's boyfriend's younger sister. Okay. And since that time, he has been the main suspect. Why has he been the main suspect? Have they went into any kind of details? Did it in, did it even appear that he would have well, committed this crime? He, ha he has a history. Um, just a year before Brittany was murdered, he had been let out of prison for hitting another young woman in the head. Okay. 
But she she did not die. He did not kill her. Okay, so what would be uh, the connection between him and your daughter? I'm sorry, the what? What would the be the connection? Yeah, what would be the direct connection? Only that um I guess he was there at the home, the family home of Brittany's boyfriend and his girlfriend, who was the boyfriend's sister. Okay. And have they ever been known to, to have a fallen out, uh, to feud or anything like that? Well, um, th we've been kind of told a few things that he was, you know, kind of obsessed with Brittany. Brittany was a, was a beautiful young woman. Um, and then that the morning of May 4th, I guess when he arrived at the home and saw Brittany there, he assumed that she had spent the night and he was mad because he's not, he wasn't allowed to spend the night in the home and because the, the, the daughter he was dating was still in high school actually. Okay. All right. So Hope, what did you, how did you respond when you heard the news regarding Brittany being murdered? Um, well, I was, uh, it was on a Friday and, uh, I had, uh, I was a sophomore in high school and, um, I had gotten out of school and was at, was sitting outside of my grandparents' house. Um, and I was eating something and, um, you know, everything was fine. And then my, uh, my mom, pulled up and had my brother and his friend with her in the car. And, uh, she got out and looked at me and she looked, she looked mad. I, I thought, I thought we were in trouble. And I, I looked at my brother and I was like, I did, I don't remember doing anything or, you know, what's going on. Right. And he said, I don't know. She just picked us up and, and I said, okay. So, you know, they brought us into the living room and, um, my stepdad at that point had just told us that Brittany was dead. Um, hadn't told us, um, what had happened, but, um, I, in that moment, I kind of assumed it was a car accident or something. And I just kind of, um, went blank. And then I remember running outside to the front yard and, and just kind of collapsed and sat there with, with my brother and my grandma and, and just, you know, cried. And I honestly don't remember who or uh, how we even um, found out exactly what happened to her. I, I, I don't know if that's something I've just forgotten over the years or, you know, just the shock of it all. Um, but eventually we uh, found out how that she had been killed. Um, and uh, I was just, I, I was in disbelief. Um, I was only 16. My brother was uh, 14 at that time. Um, and that was just something that even as a kid or even as an adult, you can't comprehend. But as a kid, I just I I don't know. It I just it changed my world. Yeah, I can I can completely, you know, understand that. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, who did you what did you hear regarding the suspect or suspects regarding your sister's murder? Um, in the, in the very beginning, we kind of all assumed that it was her boyfriend. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't even remember how, um, the other suspect, um, I don't remember how we found out about him. 
Um, and I just heard things from uh, from Trisha and and because I didn't I didn't live there, um, so I was just hearing things from people from people. Um, I never met her boyfriend. Uh, she did she did talk about him, um, and she was really you know she was in love with him I guess at that time, um, but I didn't know him and and my impression of him was I didn't really have an impression I guess um he was just someone that I knew that he was dating my sister and um he kind of seemed the obvious uh person at the time right Um, but as time went by I mean I I honestly have never fully counted him you know counted him out just because there's too much uncertainty and too many unknowns um but the other person, the other suspect, it has always seemed pretty, um, pretty likely. Okay, so when you say pretty likely, what would what could you say that could be a direct connection to your sister Brittany? Um, just that he he was around the family. Um, his his history of of violence towards towards multiple women. Um raises many red flags um and, and because i didn't live down there i i didn't see them i didn't meet these people i didn't and i didn't know about them until after the fact so my um for me to draw a connection is a little bit harder but just um just, i would say for me mainly his his history of violence towards women uh and the fact that he was around Brittany and, and around her boyfriend's family um, set him, set him up to be a pretty, uh, pretty likely person that could have, could have done it. Okay. Now, uh, Patricia, let's talk about, okay, the police, they say they have a suspect. So how does the investigation progress with the person that they think killed your daughter? Um, it hasn't progressed. Um, um, Three weeks after Brittany was murdered, this suspect that we're talking about was arrested on an unrelated charge and was only recently um, released from prison without supervision in November after a 10-year prison term. Um, When he was let out of prison for um, hitting the young woman in the head, um, his ex-wife, traveled from another state, brought their child that had been born while he was uh, incarcerated to meet him, and he he raped her in front of that three- or four-year-old little girl. Wow. And, and when he heard Brittany had been murdered, when she heard Brittany had been murdered, she contacted Wood County and pressed charges on that sexual assault. Okay, and so what was the outcome of that case? Um, he he was just released from prison for a ten year sentence. Okay. But he has never faced any charges whatsoever in Brittany's murder. Um, there's just no evidence. Um, the attorney general's office told me, and there's some of other Brittany's other family, that whoever killed Brittany, it was like they were wrapped in saran wrap. And so this guy was also um, in the home, you know. So it would be hard to, you know, and he knew no one was going to be there and had time to clean up. Allegedly, the murderer took a shower 
so, um, you know, so I guess that's also a connection too. you know. Okay. So do, did they tell you how she was murdered? Um, she was hit in her head with an unknown weapon. Oh, she was hit in the head as well. Okay. And <laughs> what did they go into? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, on the, on the, the ex-wife, I'm sorry. Um, he did not use, uh, uh, other than just, uh, I don't know that he used a weapon. Uh, I'm sorry. I thought you were asking how Brittany was murdered. That's what I'm saying. How was Brittany murdered, your daughter? Excuse yes. me. Yes, she she was hit in her head. Okay, she was hit in her head as well because he has been in trouble for hitting a, another woman in the head prior to her. Am I correct? That's correct. All right. Now, um, so... What made the police believe, not because of criminal record, did they go into any details to say why they felt he was a suspect? No, I mean I've not I've never been given any information as to you know, other than that. And uh, he failed the polygraph. Okay, so he, he failed the polygraph, okay. All right. So has he been like openly talking about everything and you know anything to do with the case, or have you heard anything regarding him saying anything about Brittany? No, and like I said, he's been incarcerated for a decade. You know, this guy's been in and out of prison, and you know, at this time, the detectives have the advantage to get evidence to build a case to keep him there. And so, do you feel that? They gave it their all, or you just felt that they just kind of, you know, shoved this under the rug? No one uh, responsible for solving Brittany's murder and bringing someone to justice has done an adequate job. The sheriff that just went out of office December 31st admitted to me on Facebook that Brittany's case has gone unsolved because of incompetent police work. In 2007. And this is from the new elected sheriff, right? No, the one, the one, that, the outgoing that went out December 31st. Okay, okay. Thank you for clearing that up. And so with this new sheriff in, did you report that to him? Well, uh, I haven't talked to the sheriff, the new sheriff. I called and left a, a message for him to call me on Friday, um, you know, as soon as he was sworn in. So we could, you know, set up a meeting, um, and he has yet to return my call. So right now he's batting a 1,000. Okay, all right. You know, because there are not there are not that many unsolved murders in Wood County for him not to have called me on Friday. Okay, I understand. Uh, oh, so, you know, have you heard anything throughout? I mean, it's been many years since, you know, your sister was murdered. Have you been hearing anything or seeing anything on social media? I know he's been locked up, but, you know, usually like the boyfriend might know something or somebody knows something. Yeah, I've never seen anything from either him or the boyfriend. Um, and I think that's what makes it also difficult because as much as we believe, you know, that somebody knows something, you know, some piece of information, everyone has been just lip sealed, you know, not talking about it. Um, I know, I know there's a pretty, uh, heavy cloud of suspicion on the, on the main suspect from, 
people in the community and and things like that. But um, I mean, whoever they've done a pretty good job of keeping their mouth shut and not, you know, and, and that's really um, very frustrating. Um, yeah. Let, let me interrupt. Um, there is uh, another suspect who has confessed to uh, a few girlfriends that he was the one that murdered Brittany. And um, he's never been polygraphed. He's been questioned, but never polygraphed. Have you asked him why they didn't follow up on that on that lead? Um, well, they think because he said he would willingly take one, then that he doesn't need one, which is ridiculous on its face. Could it be possible that he is suspect? I mean, uh, they were pretty sure that this other guy and well. He, if they're so sure, then I, I think they could bring charges. If not, they need to be open to any and all Good other point. suspects. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So uh, what was your battle like dealing directly with the investigator over your daughter's murder investigation? Oh, they were constantly threatening, threatening to arrest me because I... Um, was very vocal in the beginning when I still lived in Wood County. You know, I, I moved to um, Travis and Williamson County um, in 2009. Um, but before I moved, they were constantly threatening to arrest me. I've been told to um, forget about Brittany's murder and move on. Um, Brittany's murder was compared to a stolen lawnmower once when I called demanding, you know, information. Um, the, the deputy actually said, well, the guy who had his lawnmower stolen last week also wants information. Um, it, it's just, it's been reprehensible. You know, that is that is pretty pathetic and sad that uh, law enforcement would talk to a, a victim's family like that. Because when this type of stuff happened, and, you know, Hope, you and... Your mother, Patricia, you guys don't wake up wondering if you guys are going to have a family member murdered. Uh, yeah. We don't we don't wake up to that. Uh, it just happens. And so yeah. when something like that just out of nowhere happens, then, of course, we are sometimes can be irritating and belligerent when we want answers. So, you know, it'd be nice to have a investigative staff law enforcement to just understand a grieving sister or a grieving mother's situation. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, I feel like it's kind of like a, maybe the, maybe people's view of police or law enforcement, you know, isn't so positive. And it's just like in our situation, you know, we've been, very patient. They've always asked us, just hold on a little bit longer. You know, don't say anything. Just keep, you know, keep your head low and, and just give us time. Give us time. Give us time. And, you know, we've done that. And we've been as vocal, you know, as we have been. We kind of sat back and waited for them to step up and, and, and do things. And then when we question things, because it doesn't seem like anything has is being done within reason, it's like, you know, we're, we get talked to like, we're like, we're, we're criminals. And it's, it's frustrating because 
I, I know myself, you know, I, I reel myself in and I try not to be too much for law enforcement. I try not to be um, disrespectful. I've always conducted myself in any, you know, whether it's email or, or, or anything, respectful and understanding that they have boundaries and they have policies they have to follow. But even conducting myself in that manner gets me nowhere. I mean, I years ago, the lead investigator, I had sent an email, you know, just checking in and he replied once and ignored every other email I had. And then with this recent share, the one that just went out of office, um, I had been emailing a couple of people there and then all of a sudden my email address had been blocked from, from being able to send them emails. And I was just like, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, nothing that I said was disrespectful or out of line or anything. And I, I, I just couldn't, I, I still can't believe that we, that we've been treated in this way by, by law enforcement. And then we're supposed, and then we're told we're supposed to have hope that they're doing their job. It's yeah, kind yeah. of unbelievable. I, I agree. And that is just downright pathetic that, yeah. that, you know, your email was blocked. All you want is answers. And and it's just like anybody else. If they had a family member that was murdered, they're, they're going to, you know, react the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy. Uh, so let me ask you, Patricia and Hope. We, I'll go with Patricia first. Okay. So now you felt law enforcement has failed you. Have you took any steps um, on social media, hired an investigator, or anything to try to keep this out you know in the open well definitely on social media and there are several podcasts about Brittany um we have a group um that's dedicated to Brittany it has about 500 members um Hope and I I was it this past summer um started a project to find an attorney to represent Brittany's family and um we can't find an attorney to represent us in any way, shape, form, or, you know, fashion. Wow. So, um, and um, I even called the Texas Bar Association and the lady that answered the phone when I explained to her what I was wanting. She said, you won't find a lawyer in Texas to sue a law enforcement agency in Texas. Wow. So, okay. And so far she's right. So far she's right. Yeah. Well, Hope, what about, uh, is this something that you worked out with your mother, or did you do something uh, different regarding your sister murder? Um, yeah, I actually, um, I hadn't had, a, like, a Facebook account for, like, 10 years, and I finally got to the point where I, I felt like I needed to be more vocal online, um, you know, so I made an account and started doing that uh, probably about, it was about four years ago I was looking at different uh, private investigators and uh, had a guy reach out to me that was willing to help for free. So he kind of um, did like some background checks, things like that. He attempted to talk to Wood County uh, Sheriff's Office back then. Um, right off the bat, they would not cooperate with him. They would not talk to him. You know, absolutely nothing. Um, and that's kind of been the that's kind of been how it is anytime we've tried to get anyone from the outside to, to, to help is Wood County will, will not cooperate. Um, 
I, I mean, years ago, I think Dateline had reached out to want to do a story. Um, Prime Watch Daily with Chris Hansen had reached out wanting to cover it, and but every single time, Wood County has been like, nope, we're we're not. It's open. We're not going to discuss it. Um, yeah, it's just it's frustrating. But yeah, um, yeah, I agree. And that at this point, it's we feel. I mean. I'm I'm exhausted at this point. I mean, it's been we're coming up on 14 years, and it's like anything and everything I try to do, whether big or small, it just gets shut down, and we're it's it's a very powerless feeling. We I mean we're standing up against law enforcement, and we have no power when it comes to them, and and you know that the ball's kind of in their court. They're the ones that are calling the shots and yep. allowing what what happens to happen, and we just kind of have to sit back and and take it, really. Yeah, you're you're so correct, and hopefully, one of these days we can change that. Yeah. Okay, well, you know what, going on fourteen years—that's a long time to wake up each and every day and still have no justice for your daughter and for your sister. But I want to strongly encourage uh, Patricia Hope to don't give up and keep fighting. And, you know, releasing this podcast, hopefully it will weigh on somebody's conscience and they will call and do the right thing. Because I always tell people it's never too late to do the right thing. Well, we run out of time. I appreciate both of you taking out the time to come on here to tell a difficult story and then yet still have not seen justice. But before we go, uh, Patricia, do you want to tell my followers about your daughter's Facebook group and, you know, what do y'all do on the page? Um, I will post songs or um, uh, memes that I find that make me think of or, or, or the podcast or any kind of, you know, little update we have or um, you know, just anything that's, that's re- you know, related to Brittany. Okay. All right. So what's the, give, give us, give us the name of the group and how we find it on Facebook. It is just, uh, Brittany Danielle McGlone in, uh, 1987 to 2007. It is a private group, but. Okay. All right. Well, everybody does, you know, I want you guys to go and follow this page and get involved and interact and help Patricia and her daughter Hope. Okay, guys, we've come to the end. Thank you so much. Um, I want you to do one thing. I want you to go to Crime Pursuit Podcast Facebook. We will interact with you there. We have Twitter. We have Instagram. Come follow us. Interact with us. If you have a case and you want us to look into it, and you feel you're not getting enough media attention, please reach out. All right, thank you for listening. Have a good evening.